Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Guadalajara, the show of the seminary. That's right, I'm not Catholic, but if you want to learn more about being Catholic and priesthood, tune in with our conversation today with Roberto Nunez of Patron Tequila, one of the national brand ambassadors. He's now living in Austin. I met him a couple times over the past few months. I hear great things about him. He has a litany of achievements and accomplishments, whether you look on LinkedIn or you just talk to him. It was a great conversation about his life, and I suspect it hasn't quite been captured in this way. And I'm really proud of this conversation. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of themes here, especially as Roberto immigrated to the United States now as a green card. There's just so much here. It's a very, very rich conversation. So without further ado, I hope you all enjoy this great chat with Roberto Nunez of Patron Tequila. Either both. Paid, I think, more as my own personal history. I've been always living more in metropolitan areas, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I've been always connected to to the land. Yeah, and you can see right now I'm connected to the agave world. Right. Uh, back on the time in the seminary, I was not too connected to the agave. But funny thing is, we used to have this period that once a year we will go to it's called mes de trabajo uh-huh. that we will to learn how the people learn their, their salary, yeah. to make us more conscious about the reality of the world, wow. we used to go and work. So for example, my I have a twin brother. My twin brother, he he worked in uh, in the winery, mm-hmm. but I work in a mine. Really? Yeah, yeah. so it was a mine of manganese, the second biggest mine of manganese uh-huh. in the world, which is Was- in Pachuca in Mexico. It, okay, okay, which state? It's uh, Pachuca, oh. it's, sorry, it's Hidalgo. That's uh, okay. Got it's it, actually yeah. not in, it's a little northern from Pachuca, the state is Hidalgo. Mm-hmm. It's a place called uh, Otongo. Otongo, yeah. And we were planting trees. That was my job. Really? <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> it was fun to connect with the nature, but it was so hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's hard because especially as you grow up, I, I don't think the virtues and how much I enjoyed nature hit me until later. Mm-hmm. We go on family camping trips and stuff. I'm like, I don't want to be around my family. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. you're younger, you kind of revolt against that. So from Morelia, which you grew up, you moved a series of other places after that. Yeah, I li- I've been living in 13 cities in my life. Throughout Mexico? And when I say living, is more than three, usually more than three years average. It's no use. I'm yeah. Uh, I'm actually from Guadalajara. So my mom's side is from there. Okay. And I born in Guadalajara. Uh-huh. But we moved to Morelia because my dad was a banker and he also studied business and uh-huh. finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he used to teach in the in the university. That's why oh. my first relation to academia is through my dad. And after, uh, so he moved to Morelia to a new position. Yeah. Uh, so we moved with, with him. And after from there, we lived there a couple of years. And after that, we decided, when I say we decided, it's not like I'm, have this psychological yeah, problem. I have a twin brother. Yeah. So my brother and I, we joined uh, the seminary. So we moved to Mexico City. Mm. How, um, how old were you when you moved to Mexico City? I was 11. 11? That's when I left. What, when did, I'm not familiar. Is, can I assume Catholicism or is Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to assume, but I just imagined. Right? I, I, I respect that. Yeah. In you. I think you can fairly assume in most Spanish <laughs> world that it will be related or Irish world yeah. like it will be related to Catholicism. I would think. Yeah. But at 11, so it must be a, you know how you, at least in the States, you spend four years, you could do it faster, but you spend four years getting your undergraduate degree, which you've done other kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, you could do it in three, but just for most of us, four years or, or above, right? Mm-hmm. But the seminary program, is it something that starts a much longer frame of time 
that you start because you mentioned 11 is that when the classes start is that when the training begins or is it later in life so you can choose back on the the old tradition of the church you can join since little for yeah. example i don't know you heard this i'm a philosopher for me i know you get two degrees so yeah. this is uh thomas aquinas for example mm-hmm. he joined very little the seminary so this tradition of joining very little mm-hmm. that was when i joined Okay, more or less at 11, you start doing middle school, mm-hmm. high school, and after that. But you can also join after high school. Okay. If you ask me my opinion right now, I will say people, if they are thinking to follow that way, they should join later. Uh-huh. But I did what I did, <laughs> and I can change it. Well, tell because I find this so so fascinating, because even in the States, I'm not sure that there's still an, a kind of an equal program. I mean, I used to live in Salt Lake City. They are, because... My school used to have, uh, uh, they they still have a Like seminar. a sister city here? Yeah. Oh. It used to, at one moment, they had three. I know one in New Hampshire, Center Harbor, one in Sacramento, and one in Indiana. Interesting. They, they closed the New Hampshire and the Sacramento, but Indiana is still going on. Really? Yeah. So at 11, you and your tr- twin brother, you both decided to, to pursue this. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, were your parents shocked were they supportive because it's it's religion and it, it, it binds a lot of folks together they might i would imagine i mean my mom would have been sad if i I've left the city at 11 you know um my mom was not too supportive at the beginning yeah she actually told us like she should she didn't think it would be it, it was the right thing yeah my dad he was very supportive mm-hmm. and at the end that's both were supportive. Yeah. But Eventually, my, mom, eventually. my right. mom did tell us like she didn't think it was the right move. Yeah. My dad didn't say it, he supported, but I think it was difficult for them because my parents are they are still living and they are uh, now old, but uh, they couldn't have kids for the longest time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my mom when she got us, she was already forty four. So they wait a wow, okay. long time yes, to have yes. kids and they wanted them. It's not like they were waiting. Yeah. And so they finally had kids and these 11 years we go. So (laughs) I know they suffered that, but they were always supportive. That's, I mean, Mm -hmm. when is it? All right. So again, as a, as a layman or or ignorant to, to the seminary outside of Mormonism, which I'm not Mormon, but I Mm -hmm. learned so much about it when I was living in Salt Lake city. So when, at what age normally do you be, you must become a, priest is that the, the 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 cap is that kind of the degree is that the the title that's bestowed upon you is being a priest or is there another title that you have so there are different types of orders uh-huh. the order i was uh, you had to be a priest okay for example there are the franciscans these you could choose if you want to be just a brother mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like uh, some francis of uh, assis uh-huh. he uh, he was not a priest uh, or la, or you or you want to be a priest. In my order, we had to be a priest. Okay. Yeah, that was the only way. So yes, eventually you will ordain. I got very close, but I didn't get ordained. Now, there is different levels of religious life. That's how it's called. Uh-huh. And I got to the highest one that you can get, which is a perpetual vows. Okay, that perpetual you, vows. That you have them. And just to get rid of those, you had to have a letter from the Pope who absolve, like, absolve you from wow. oh, the legal term, I don't remember, but it's uh, pretty much that you are excluded of following that. You yeah. are not obligated anymore. So when I left, I had to go that. But uh, Did you did you get the letter from the yeah. Pope? You got it. Do you yeah. get to keep the letter? Yeah, I have it. I Actually, in my case, it was a little, it was from the... A representative of the Pope, uh-huh. not exactly from Pope. But still, and, yeah. from the office of the Pope. But exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. How old were you then when you realized? Um, that I had to leave or I had to join? Well, I guess it was both, right? You have to, you're at a, a crossroads where so either you do it or you don't do it, right? When I, when I joined, I was a kid. Yes, I was yes. as mature as anyone. And... Um, what I wanted is just to enjoy my life. So mm-hmm. I went and visited and I realized these guys were playing. They have an amazing soccer field, mm-hmm. a pool. 
they play instruments, they spoke languages, they travel the world. Yeah. And that was all the things I wanted to do as a kid. Mm. So I decided I want to be this. In that moment, I didn't want to be a priest exactly, sure. but I wanted to Those things seem real. Yeah, life. exactly. And after I do realize very fairly, like within a month, that I kind of want to be a priest. Oh, I thought so. Yeah. So I start, but um, I didn't do a good discernment, I think. So mm. that was just my path. And uh, 15 years later, when I was 27, Seven. Wow. I, I left. But I start around when I was 24 already with like, it took me like three years to leave. Is it because of how much processing and paperwork it takes or you were processing mentally? It's mostly mentally. Yeah. Like, there is, uh, I wanted to make sure that I was uh, doing the right decision. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to explain because you need to leave it, but it's mostly the, how I explain it is when you go to college and mm -hmm. you start waking up and mm -hmm. you're think college just lasts four years, right? Yes, right. Imagine that your college lasts 20 years. Right. And you already were there for 15 years. Yeah. So you are almost done. Uh, but you start waking up saying like, I don't want to do this. I don't completely happy here. Right. But you're, you are doing very well. Imagine you have a really good job. Yeah. To the, to the just think like all the priests in the world one thing want to be in Rome. I was already there. I was already doing right. And, wow. and suddenly I was like, I'm so comfortable here. I'm right. actually doing very well, but I don't want to be here. Is, do you have, and I have this within me, I like learning and I like doing new things. Is part of something that drove you to, you've moved around a lot, you've studied, and we'll talk about some of the, the, the degrees of what you've obtained, but is some of it that you always need to be moving forward and learning something new? Is that a part of how you live? Yeah, I think this for me, actually, oh, going back to, I was moving to a lot, uh, many cities. Yeah, It happens to me that I get bored of cities very easily. Really? Because at one moment I feel like I'm not learning anymore. Ah. So it's, it's connected. Like for me, I need to be, it's so important for me to live new experiences. Yes. And that the reason is because I want to learn something. I want to know more. I want to, I'm curious. Yeah. So You know, the, there's a concept, I, I started to think about this because similarly, I moved about every four years when I was a child. And when I finally moved to Austin, it's a place I didn't mean to really set down roots, you know? Mm -hmm. But I have this kind of saying that is, you can either build wide and horizontally or you can stay in the same place and build up like it's new york there's no real estate right so they have only one choice to go up and so what i kind of chose with austin is even though i could move still i tried to do as much as humanly possible here in this particular city distillery podcast networking class all, all of these different things right and so for you is that ever something that you've thought about because you, when you not that you can't move with a family, but establishing a family. You've been married for a few years now. You're in Austin. Do you ever think that there may be a place where you say, I'm going to set down roots and build up? I will answer it in different ways. Sure. Like you say that there are two options going up or going in, horizontal. And I'm sure there's other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I would say like my mind is a little bit more going diagonal. Ah, okay. Which is you can keep moving to other places, but you can still going up. Yes. Uh, so I feel like I'm not against settling in any place, mm -hmm. but I'm also not against moving. Yeah. So for me, the place is, it has never been uh, the most important thing. I see. For me, the most important thing are other like who I am with, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. If I'm happy, happiness for me is the key of the life. Yes. So, uh, I'm I'm not uh, I'm ready to give up little things, which is in other ways comfort, like yeah. having your own house, having your own routine. I'm okay if I don't have that. If I'm doing other things that makes me more happy. So leaving the seminary at 27, you said when you first pursued philosophy because you obtained two degrees in your master's as well. Mm -hmm. That was coursework that you were doing while being part of the seminary or did you have to leave to pursue that? 
No, I, I did it because of the seminary. I, I'm not sure if I will do it uh, if I was. You just had a choice? School. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's part of the, so part of the rules of the Catholic uh, church to, to become a priest. You mm -hmm. have to do at least two years of philosophy and ah. three years of theology. This is, this is the that. minimum. And this applies to anyone. Oh. But in our case, in this order, it was way longer. Mm. So we use, we need to do a, at least a master's mm -hmm. in, in, in each of those two. two I see. Them. So is that where the neurolinguistics comes in from the seminar? No, is that after? The, that was after. And uh, so I did, uh, first I did master's, uh, my minor in philosophy, mm -hmm. and after I did master's in social ethics and ah, uh, social ethics, okay. And, and, and philosophy. That w I decided to conclude that when I already knew I was leaving, mm -hmm. but I asked my my rector, my director in yeah. the moment, I, I asked him to, hey, you already know I'm leaving, I'm leaving, but I'm like, I need eight months more yeah. to finish my master's. Just let me stay. They let me stay. Uh, I finished it and I left. I see. And after when I left, I just start from zero. Mm. And to the point that zero is like, I didn't know how to use a cell phone. I didn't know how to use a bank account. I didn't have them. Uh, you didn't have, you don't even know how to dress because why would you? You right. never wear same. normal clothes. Yeah. Uh, so you have to learn many of those things from zero. Yeah. But uh, I was like, what am I doing? I need to start making money. So I already have this philosophy background was kind of also directed because I did psychology a little mm -hmm, bit mm -hmm. to apply to spiritual directory if I had to do that. Uh -huh. So I say, okay, I do this master in neurolinguistic programming and I try to link my philosophy to be oh. able to, if I did consulting. I see, okay. But funny thing, at, one moment, at that moment, on the middle of that second master, I was already doing insurance. So I apply the neurolinguistic to marketing and not to consulate. Oh, I see. So, so again, the, the, now the trajectory makes a little more sense because you've really done a lot of different things, which obviously mm -hmm. makes sense to you in terms of your narrative. There's two things that I, I don't understand the seminary's relationship with. So if you feel comfortable expressing that with me. One, alcohol is fine or is alcohol prohibited from the seminary i'm not sure what that relationship is like uh no actually it's uh, some people when ask me like uh, wow it's so big change you were in a seminary and now you sell or you work for a right kind of alcohol yeah, company yeah. and i was like i do the same job <laughs> and is is i used to work behind a bar uh -huh. serving juice wine and bread yeah yeah and i'm just my back, my back bar is a little bit more diverse. Yes, <laughs> so it's not used red okay, wine. Okay, so it's it's a pretty big part of the. I figured wine was, but so I didn't know. I'm that was kind of a joke, but the thing is, if you think in in our seminar, we were allowed to we yeah. could drink one glass of alcohol per meal. I see. I see. Uh, oh, actually, uh, per day because it was just on the lunch or mm -hmm. the dinner usually. But if you think about it in the history of. Any, many of the things that we have right now is thanks to monks. Yeah, I was going to say, who developed it, right? Champagne. and It's uh, chartreuse. chartreuse. Every yeah. bartender do shots of that, and yeah. they, we love them. And it's, chartreuse is actually not the name of the product, it's the name of the order. That's, that's yeah. I, and they call it like that. As People don't yeah. think, like the, people know it as a booze, no? Yeah. Uh, many of the beers we have uh -huh. is thanks to, to the monks. Uh, many of the wine knowledge we have was carried through 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 monks and uh, orders. Yeah, so you, you're so, right. I, I thought, but I didn't know, right? So I always ask, mm -hmm. I try not to assume when I don't know a thing. Here's the other one that I don't know. And it could, again, could just be my ignorance. In the priesthood, again, I do not know the answer to this. Is there a vow of celibacy? Yeah, I have it. Until, so probably until your late 20s. Yeah, in, in there are, when you are in the religious life, which is the thing I was, yeah. one of the divisions I was mentioning before, you have three vows. Poverty, chastity, and obedience. And the chastity is the same of celibacy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, so those are for everyone. Yeah. Nuns, uh, brothers, uh, some priests. Yeah. 
unless you are in the diocese, those guys, for example, like the priests who are in the diocese, mm -hmm. they are not religious. Oh. It, obviously, religious in the legal term, yeah. right? Uh, these guys, they have promises, but no vows. I see. Okay. Because they don't have poverty, obedience. But in my case, my order has this three plus another two, which was one of charity, uh -huh. about charity and one about of, uh, humility, was hum called. Oh, I see. And you need, to, what it means is you never speak bad about somebody else mm -hmm. and you never uh, try to get a position in the, in, the, in the order. I see, I see. If he gets arrived, fine, but you don't work for it. Do you, do you think that, again, I, really my frame of reference is more LDS people mm -hmm. that, that I grew up with partially, you know, in the 90s, late 90s. Do you feel, it sounds, so here's the thing, here's the balance I, I find really interesting is that you not only got to learn about the world in the seminary, you got to travel the world in the seminary. And to me, that would feel like, well, when you decide to leave, it's not because it's an act of rebellion. It's just that you want to explore more. Did you feel like there was any time to be made up for? Times in relationships, times experiencing romance, love, and these things, because for such a long time, it was not a part of your life, outside of, obviously, the things that you studied and that you devoted time to. Yes, I think I probably still, I don't feel it too strong now, but it was for a while I did feel that I had to make up. Yeah. Uh, all the experiences again the experience part is a key word in my life mm -hmm. i have to experience way way many things that i didn't for example like comparing with friends of my age that sometimes for example i i hear you refer in many of the podcasts uh, to music and uh, bands yeah. and there's something i i have a gap in my life uh -huh. many but if I talk, it's not that I don't know about music. Uh, also, I'm not talented in music, but I love music. Sure. Uh, uh, but I don't know the bands, you know, for example, Andrew Grants. Uh, this guy is amazing. <laughs> oh, a friend of mine from Nashville, Roland, he's also our brand ambassador. Yeah. They know every group. Yeah. My wife is a musician too. Is she really? Yeah, she plays piano. Oh, cool. And, uh, so know every band. Uh, for me, it's like, I don't know it, yeah. but I can talk about you, Gregorian chants, and people who are Gregorian chants, do you know about it? Usually I, people don't. It's, it, yeah. that's, that's just as valuable, because it's yeah. it, a lot of modern, not, yeah, music even, because it goes back from classical romantic songs that broke. I mean, that's all predicated mm -hmm. on Gregorian chants. So I see value in it all. So you bring something to the table that I can't bring to the table, which I, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, but it, I do have gaps. I mostly in experiences like, for example, with when I started dating, I just look at me uh, and look at how I was when I left. Yeah, and I was so dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like I know that I like know everything now, yeah. but I still think like, oh man, like people have with me so much patience. Oh man, so naive and ignorant. I love that because you know. Yeah. He, I, it, obviously not the same story for me, but I never really thought I was much to look at. You know what I mean? So I'm coming into adulthood now is different at 43 and yeah. soon to be 44. But like, I just never figured anybody like thought I was attractive. So I just like operated like, well, just, you know, we're friends, you know? Yeah. It's funny the kinds of things that we learn as we start to see the world more and we learn more about it. I saw you did... Recently, for Tales of the Cocktail, a panel with Alan, Alan uh, Resco, Pelayo Resco, Yeah, Ruesga Pelayo. Thank you, thank you. From Bacardi. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. I always forgot. You guys are on the same team, basically. All right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's also from Guadalajara. Yes, he's from Guadalajara. And uh, his first, I interviewed him. One of his first jobs, I think, was in D.C., where he was yeah. a server and didn't know how to speak English and then, then learned. But I've been diving more into... Because I'm not a Mexicano, and I, although I've been a stranger in many places, I've lived even as just like a, a white guy. Mm -hmm. There's something different about it, having a different culture that you bring to the table. And so the essence of the roundtable you did with Alan and, and some other folks is kind of how it feels to be an immigrant that, that, that comes in. Yeah. So 
that's a very important topic for me. And I think it's something that I'm trying to focus my industry career in. Yeah. Like, uh, so I came an L&D to as an immigrant to this country. Mm -hmm. uh, immigrant can mean many things, sure, right? Sure, like sure, we sure. were illegal immigrants, yeah. which means like uh, we don't have all the rights. Yes. Also because we probably didn't do it in the right way. Mm. But funny thing, if you not everyone gets the privilege of doing it in the right way. Of course, of course. Sometimes you have to do it in another right way to be able to do it. That's Otherwise, right. you don't do it. Yeah. So uh, we came here as a, uh, with a visa. We were lucky uh, to have a visa to start with. That's a privilege in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I think just the 4% of Mexicans can get, or 14%, I forgot. Very small amount, yeah. A very small amount get a visa to come to the States, mm -hmm. just as a visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go, we already had that. I always had it since I was little. But we move. I moved here. He moved uh, before me, and we were working. But Where, were you in is Boston the first place? Yeah, I moved okay. to Boston, okay. and that's a whole other sure, story. Sure. But uh, so I moved to Boston, and uh, in that moment, I have my insurance company, so I can work remotely. I, so I was not too, I, too much in a rush, but. Uh, I was thinking to be in Boston just for six mm -hmm. months, just experience yeah. life here. And and I fell in love with the city. Mm. I fell in love with uh, the experiences I was having. So I stayed there. But that was not supposed to happen. Sure. And I wasn't supposed to work. And even if I have to do masters or even if I have what I consider a good education, uh, nobody will give me a It job. doesn't matter, right? Yeah. yeah. But the only uh, industry who welcomed us mm -hmm. was the restaurant life. And, and in that moment, you see many stories, many, many stories. And somehow Alan and myself, we are very fortunate that we over already overcome those difficulties and we fix our situation and we now are have a green card and we have a voice. We are not worried that somebody will... Uh, Send you, yeah. Send you back. I'm still worried. I'm not a citizen. I'm actually in my green card, so I can still be denied. Yeah. But, uh, but for years, for years, I was uh, waking up with the fear of that could be my last day in the States. Yeah. To the point, and I was telling that story, that one day I had like six months in the States, and I was working in this restaurant, which was kind of a fine, but, you know, this type of place, that does well, but they don't staff completely. So you are kind of a server, bar, bag, right. hostess, everything at once, almost managing. And I was suddenly be somebody came in, and uh, I was behind the the front desk, mm -hmm. but I was serving, and this uh, it was a cop, ah. and I was terrified. I just wanted to. I was thinking that this person was coming looking for me. Right. I was terrified, and this cop, you say, can I use your bathroom? And I was, you really? I was so afraid. Because mm. Also, in Mexico, you are afraid of cops. That's right. <laughs> and he said, but for, that was something that I, many people right now is waking up every mm. day in the industry. And we, we live uh, in an industry that sometimes the people who makes it great doesn't get the recognition. Exactly, exactly. And so I do feel that now that I'm lucky enough to be in this position that I can already say things and express yeah. without fear of being deported, that now I had to talk for for all these people that yeah, cannot. That's right. So how we name of this, the seminary, it was Flavors of Immigration. Yeah that is related to flavors of the kitchen, but also yeah, yeah. how it tastes to mm -hmm. be an immigrant and stories that need to be heard. Yeah. There are so many of those stories. It, it Something that I, I go to Mexico regularly and I always want to make sure with my privilege that I can capture the voices of people that don't have that same privilege or maybe they do, but they don't have the same means. I'm not, I'm not, a, this is not a conquistador thing. I'm not trying to save anybody, right? But I, I really deeply love people. And so whatever stories I can capture, I, I really enjoy. And so we can even hear a little bit of it. You hear like a little hammer knocking kind of down the road here. And my road, this is a neighborhood from the 80s. It's fine. I like it, you know. 
but I saw single-handedly how they installed Goober, excuse me, Google Fiber mm-hmm. and this road and this whole neighborhood. It's called Goober? <laughs> Google. Ah, okay. I messed it up. <laughs> I, I think it's a I great word. <laughs> you should sell that. Google Fiber Goober, I think it's great. It's like, if, uh, it's like Goober, Google and Uber combined. You can go uh-huh. get a search vehicle. I don't, I don't know how this works. Uh-huh. But I watched them tear this road up. Mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with dig bars, having digged up agave and having dug up sotol. And so I look at all of this, right? And I see the young Mexicanos breaking this soil down, breaking the asphalt down. And all I was like, I just was breathing it all in. And I'm like, I know that this is what this privilege of having high speed internet all is be- built on. So you talk about the industry of res- hospitality, cocktails, all of it. It is built on the backs of immigrants. And we, many of us that have enough privilege, we just turn our back and we don't want to acknowledge that that's where this came from. I know how hard it is to dig with a dig bar, especially in my front yard because I've done it before. These kids are out here doing this thing. You see them all working really hard and we never look back to say, oh shit, this thing I enjoy every day was built on the backs of, of immigrants. And I imagine now that you have, you've got more of a platform, you have this great role with Patron, does it feel like something you are obligated internally to make sure that you help the voices being heard? Yes, I think I have a moral responsibility to do so. Yeah. It's just, uh, I wouldn't be happy with me in future years if, I don't know how how long is lasting this ride, yeah. but while I have it and when I have the microphone in front of me, yeah. I I want to, to use my power to, to help. Yes. Um, and I want to say something. When, when you say that you go to Mexico and you try to put the microphone and recognize all these people, uh, and you see something like, I don't want to be the conquistador, believe me, as a Mexican. And yeah. I say this every Cinco de Mayo. Most of Mexicans, we are happy that you do that. Mm. And all the Mexicans, we love if you go to Mexico and do that. We don't see it exactly like a, a conquistador thing. Yeah. The sensitivity that exists in the U.S. Yes, is very yes. different. And sometimes I don't think it's fair. Uh, because some people want to be recognized, not erase. That's right. And sometimes we use erase the names of some people because we don't want to offend them. Right. But sometimes when you take them out of the of the notebook, you're actually doing a. a it's unfair for these people. And I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> I'm a. I don't. I, I won't say what I am, but I put a lot of content out, mm-hmm. and I tried to be careful to navigate accordingly. And having been at the middle of some sotol controversy, even though it was something I've been doing for years and no one noticed until someone's like, "Oh, well, now you know, now it's important that he he sh- he shouldn't do that, whatever." So I just want to be sensitive, and I know I, I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, is I love. Mexico and I love Mexicans and something that I say this kind of like casually in conversations with people in Texas if you say Mexican it's got to depends who you are that's saying it you know what I mean because like all those Mexicans but like for me it's like no like all my close friends are they're Mexican they're not Venezuela I mean Jesus Mm -hmm. he's Venezuela they're not Latino they're I mean maybe both but they're Mexicanos and so I say that I'm like no I'm proud because I love Mexico and I love the people that I've met and how much kindness I've experienced. So anyway, I, pre- I appreciate that. Not that it, I have to detail that out, especially on my own podcast, but I, it is, is, is important for me. And I'm glad that you are taking your visibility and your success and allowing it to sprinkle on to others and make sure that their stories are told. We've shared that certainly in common. Among all the places that you've lived, though, Mm-hmm. Why Boston? I love Boston. Don't get me wrong. And my beautiful partner Kay, she was a bartender out there for a while. She she loved Boston as well. <laughs> but you had you couldn't win anywhere. Was it a girl? No, no. Okay, no. that's actually, normally what. <laughs> actually, I moved things that it was not a girl. Uh, so I moved because when I left Italy, uh, that I lived there uh, many years. Yeah. Uh, my parents are old. 
Mm. So I could stay in Italy and I thought about it, but I already live in Europe for seven years. So yeah. I was like, I need to explore somewhere else. And I didn't want to just go back to Mexico. So I was invited by my uh, godfather and godmother that live in uh, La Habra Heights in oh, uh, California okay. to go and live with them. But I didn't want to because they are very religious mm -hmm. and live too much. And, uh, and I was just living that life. So yeah. I wanted to say I want to explore something else. Um, but in Mexico, I got to Mexico, I fell in love with this other uh, girl and I didn't leave. When we broke up, a friend of mine moved to Boston and he came back and told me about like, oh, Boston is great. He was a really successful accountant in Guadalajara. Yeah. And, uh, but he moved to Boston. So for me, it was like super weird because he had the best job of all of us. Yeah. At that moment, I was like, why did you move there? He told me, yeah, I work in the industry. I'm just a server. And I was like, what? Why would you <laughs> do that? And at that moment, I didn't know yeah. he was gay. Oh. He didn't come close. So one of the reasons he did is because in Guadalajara, coming out of the uh, coming out is not that easy. Right. I think in general in Mexico, but in Guadalajara specifically and his family. So he had to, to move there. Mm. Anyway, he was living in Boston and I was like, I'm moving to Boston. Mm. I was just for him. Being honest, uh, he just, if this guy moved to, I don't know, to Seattle and he would told me, them. probably I will be in Seattle. He was just, just like that. But I love Boston. And it's I a great spot. So many things about to say. The weather is not great. Mm, right. <laughs> um, but Something I love about Boston mm -hmm. uh, is very cultural, very educated. Yeah. So the guests that you have at the bar is always interesting conversations. Yeah. Uh, very elevated. Uh, and also it's a huge rotation of people every year with the students and uh, people who just do their post-grad uh, post school and so on. Yeah. So that all that rotation makes it every two, three years is a new city. I, and I love that. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really important thing, especially for you who is so interested in other people, other cultures. Did you imagine yourself getting married when you were younger? Obviously, it's probably a, an interesting notion because you were part of the seminary, right? Yeah, yeah that's uh, something I never think about it. Um, I I think at one moment probably did imagine I would I don't remember. To be honest, yeah, I, I sure. would think that, yes, I did imagine when I was little before I joined the seminary to be married. And uh, when I was in the seminary, definitely my, my eyes were in another life, yeah. not, not getting married. But I felt that uh, the last three years when I was deciding, I definitely thought about it. Like, uh, yeah. I want to uh, to get married. Um, yeah. I, what about children? Is that important to you? Children is something that is important uh, for my wife mm -hmm. and she's important to me. Uh, I'm not against them, yeah. so I actually think we probably will have them. Mm. But it's something that one day I wake up saying, ah, that would be nice. And another they say, like, I'm so happy <laughs> I don't have kids. Yeah. And I don't have anything against kids. No, but yeah. I'm... Uh, I enjoy my life how it is, and is I don't know if that's selfish to say it, but it's. it's just I don't think it's selfish, and, and but <laughs> everybody, people have asked me for whatever reason. I think they just don't want to get in confrontation with me because <laughs> uh -huh. about kids, so no one's ever said, "Well, why don't you want to have kids?" And I'm like, "I'll give you a litany of reasons if you want." So I don't think it's selfish to think about yourself because only when you're good could you even be able to take care of others. I you agree. know. You know, so it's kind of one of those things that's foundational to even wanting to have kids. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, for example, like people ask me, do you have a pet? Oh. They're like, no, I don't have pets. I love dogs. Yes. Uh, actually, if I could have a pet, I would have a horse. That's oh, really? Bird. But uh, I don't because it's, it will be responsible. I, yeah. I have traveled so much that I wouldn't put the care that a dog needs. Yes. So it will be responsible for me. And also, it's so pricey to just put it in, like, whatever it is, the 
daycare or whatever yeah, they oh, have. Oh, yeah, doggy daycare. For and sure. after if they get sick or whatever, it, it's just like I probably couldn't even afford it. You yeah. Know? Like, Did you have any perception about Patron before you joined the team? Yeah, I... Funny, like we are already talking a lot and we haven't even talked about Patron. But but see, but this is the thing, right? So my whole strategy always is mm-hmm. if people buy into you, then the brand doesn't matter. They'll buy into the brand because they like you. As I'm sitting here doing pantomimes with my fingers and stuff. But that's like what's really important to me is that your story is known because I'm sure you'll have an illustrious career with Patron and I love David and I love Granzi and all the folks over there. But maybe someday you do something else. So this piece your story will always remain the same, despite yeah. which brand you work with. So it feels everybody that they, they speak really highly of you on I the team, you know. And so I'm just curious what you thought of them before even joining the team. So um, one of the reasons I got hired, and I will start with this, I think is that I was very transparent on my way when I say what I was thinking about uh-huh. the drone. And Good. some things I didn't think very highly no, before joining Patron. So when I moved from Mexico to the States and I was a bartender mm-hmm. in uh, in the States, the whole way of serving alcohol changes. Yes. Um, one of those is Patron wasn't distributed in Mexico. I didn't know that. Actually. Uh, yeah, at that moment when oh, I, okay, I moved okay. here to in, in actually exactly eight years ago in uh, December 13 of 2015. Uh, and when I moved here, or to Boston, uh, I was coming from Guadalajara. Yeah. I consider myself a, a tequila connoisseur, not deeply, but I knew yeah. things. Uh, I knew brands and Patron, I knew it just when I was traveling through the States. Yeah. And so I came here and I was like, that's a gringo tequila. And when I say gringo tequila, I know tequila cannot be produced outside of Mexico, but it's uh tequila that is just made for gringos because mm-hmm. they just take it, I spirit it and sorry for the mm-hmm. for the my French, but anyway, uh, that's how wha- what I thought. And after I start serving it, so if you sat at my bar and you say, Oh, you're a Mexican, you're from Guadalajara, could you suggest me a tequila? I wouldn't usually suggest patron. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I was just not familiar. And I funny thing, I flew from Mexico here when I moved with two bottles of tequila uh-huh. in my bag, but they were not Patron. Um, so I, I moved to the States and I was always suggesting the same brands. And one day I tried Roca. Mm-hmm. That's when, and I never tasted before. And I used to like, this thing is so good. Yeah. And after I started learning what they did with their employees in, and that's way before I, have anything to do with Patron. Mm-hmm. And I just learned what they were doing with the employees in in a Totonilco. I was like, I love the use. Yeah. It is great. It takes better than many other uses that I used to preach about it. And and I love how they treat my people mm. in Guadalajara. So I kind of already started like not having trouble. I wasn't too completely pro, but I wasn't yeah against anymore uh and after i joined patron perfectionist and the competition and that's when i learned more and i kind of fell in love but i did tell and i owe my job to david and he was the one who got me here but one of the things i say is check i think patron needs to be more mexican mm, interesting uh, and and I don't know if that's what got me into Patron. <laughs> I was not trying to open the door for me. I yeah. was trying to be, because that was after I competed in Patron Perfection. I was just trying to give a little bit of feedback to a brand I already like. Yeah. And I thought it could benefit from from that comment. But How many, how long have you now been with Patron? Officially two years and officially almost three. Wow. And it's unofficial, I say, because since Patron Perfection is uh I competed and after I started, uh, some reason they like me or uh, so David. <laughs> some is, reason they like me. Yeah. Okay, this, this, this vow of humility is coming in again, right? The thing is, I don't think I'm the most knowledgeable guy. I just it's not think, about that though. My, my, okay, uh, anyway, they started inviting me to do events. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I start participating in things, in different things with, with Patron. And that's how I eventually use join Patron. And that's what landed you in Austin or were there other options where you would live? So funny thing is I choose Austin because I like Austin. Oh, okay. uh, I came, I love Formula One. That's my oh, sport okay. right now. Yeah, yeah. So I came here to Formula One with my wife and we, we just look at each other and say, I can totally live here. Yeah. That was before we could live and we could live and live here. So a year later, uh, I jumped Patron and they told me like, Hey, you will be traveling a lot. Mm -hmm. Boston is a little inconvenient because he's in the corner. So if you want to relocate, it's fine. So I, I was like, Austin. Yeah. And it's funny because I could choose Dallas, Houston, or even Chicago, even Denver, who mm -hmm, were better mm -hmm. for traveling purposes. Sure. But I was like, no, I want to be in Austin. <laughs> it's amazing. So with you, does your wife travel for work as well? She doesn't. She she travels very little, but she uh, works in tech. Oh, okay. So uh, we also thought about that, that Austin is a tech company, mm -hmm. or a tech city, sorry. Uh, we thought that this was now just a move where I could win, yeah. but it could be like a win for her too. Yeah, good. Eventually. Like a kind of a mutual thing. Yeah. I, 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 I haven't, you know, it's funny, like it's, I, I have been married and stuff like that, but I never was in a situation where I was traveling a lot for work and to see what kind of stress or what kind of positive space that kept for the relationship. Is it good? This is so just to, when my, my dad was traveling a lot and my mom was at home, she liked it. <laughs> she does. She likes that space. You know, she really enjoyed what he was traveling around. And now that he's retired, like it's a little tougher on her, you know, but <laughs> is that space good generally speaking for you to be traveling or is it something that you really have to address kind of delicately when you're back in town? We, we, we have to address it. We, it's a little challenge. Um, I think relationships is about to learning how to grow up mm -hmm. together and um, adequate to the situations. Yeah, that's about because uh, every day there is something new, mm -hmm. and so so far she, uh, my my wife is Kara. She has been super supportive with what I do, but she does suffer because she yeah. personally is somebody who is more. Uh, um, a little bit, she likes more uh, presence, uh, physical sure, contact. Sure, sure. Uh, she also passed during pandemic uh, that from going to the office every day. Yeah. I mean, you know that. I know this, uh, yeah. To be remotely 100%. And she even, if she's an introvert, she hasn't been seeing humans in three years. Or yeah, so. right. I mean, she does, but it, it, no. No, but I get what you mean. No, certainly. no, from her office. So... Sometimes she's a whole week in the house just by herself. Yeah. And after I come back from a week of traveling the world and every day is since I wake up at seven, I work 18 hours a day uh -huh. just with people. And I'm a more an extrovert. Uh, but I come back home and I just want to sit in the couch. Nobody talks to sure, me. Right. I just want to be with me. And she, even if she's an introvert, she's just, let's go out. Yeah, something. that's so funny. So it is challenging. It's, it, it, of course, there's a balance to be struck, and I'm sure that mm -hmm. you'll find that. But I always find, I, I love people and I love relationships. Um, even if I haven't been so good at them in the past, I'm, I'm better now, you know. Mm -hmm. But I always like to understand how people, and because I'm such a big believer in love and all of that, how people work together, you know? So I, I find I can understand the challenges that, that you're talking about. And I know that you'll find some kind of way to make those all work for you. But speaking of travel, you were, we just like, this is the two day period you have free that we've tried to do this, I think for like a month yeah. now, which is crazy. But you were in Vail, was that just personal or was there no, an event? No, so yeah, Vail was a vacation. Okay. Um, Vail was- uh, You my, ski? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay, okay. It's funny because, uh, I'm the I'm the Mexican of the family, but I'm the one who ski. <laughs> and I actually learned when I was for the first time I ski was uh, when I was 29. So oh, really? I, I, Where did you learn? In uh, Loon, New Hampshire. Oh, okay. It's one of the decent mountains in the East Coast. The yeah. best mountain in the East Coast. It will be the worst mountain in the West Coast. Right, but, right. Uh, 
but yeah, I learned in Loon. And uh, I think it was good that I learned in the East Coast because he's all icy and difficult. So now I think it's a little easier for me. Yeah, working in Pat, because I, again, mm-hmm. spent all that time in Salt We go skiing every weekend. So I would ski. Oh, like, I'm jealous. Yeah, like uh, Sundance and Brighton and all, all these yeah. things. But it scared me one day. There was a ice on the hill, on the slope, rather, and I twisted my knee oh. and I was like, because uh, I was just, I was young and I was like, I don't know. I like putting my legs at risk for all of this. It's not a, yeah, it is not a safe sport. It's like- Can mess you up. Yeah. Uh, every time I go skiing, my goal is to have fun, but uh, first is to just come back, mm-hmm. not injured. And I- And you like to run as well, right? I, 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 you've seen some marathons over the yeah, years that you've run. I right now I'm super out of shape, but yes, I do. Like <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed? Because I I reckon what you're probably in your mid 30s, something like that. You know? Yeah, I'm 37. There you mm-hmm. go. So I'm just touch older than you. But have you noticed those changes in your body as you're on the road more, and then your gig, whether you choose to drink or not, is obviously up to you. But there's more alcohol, there's more food, there's less rest. Has it been more difficult to adapt to that physically? Um. Yeah, some things they were, they, they've been, mostly I, I'm usually a very organized person yeah. and I like routines and I like even in my diet. Yeah. So being in the road is always like, you don't even know when I'm eating again. So is drink water whenever you can eat whenever you can, because you don't know when it's next. Yeah. And now you hear me, I'm giving a little vacation to my liver, but it also be be i realize that i don't have the same endurance that mm. i used to have really a uh, drinking alcohol yeah, yeah. back on the days so i need to be more careful about that too. It, again same been in this industry quite a while a lot of it's involved drinking and drinking that i've quite enjoyed mm-hmm. some actually you know i've always enjoyed what i chose to drink so i don't take shots really you know mm-hmm. so it's always like high quality stuff but i'll share a thing personally i only a couple of folks know this. i got my blood work back mm-hmm. the other day and in my head, I'm thinking, oh, my God, my liver, those enzymes are going to be so messed up, <laughs> right? They were fine. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> What's going on here, yeah. right? But I eat so cautiously and so tightly, right? And I had no idea how much that relieved my liver, you know, eating three fresh veg a day, mostly vegan, but I've got nothing against meat and stuff. And, like, it's just weird as you get older, our bodies change. yeah. Do you find, and I'm getting just about two questions left for you besides this. You're able, it sounds like you're able to, when you get home and you're not working, you're able to turn it off. Is that fair to say? Um, no, I need to be better. I need to be better at that. I'm somebody who who always is uh, looking to the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairly, I'm very competitive. and So when I'm home, I I rest when I know I don't have something else to do. Oh, I see. Okay. So the fact that I know, for me, the hours day is very relative. Yeah. If I know I have to do something, it's, it's in my mind. I see. And I need to be better sometimes. I compromise. Compromise, yeah. No, com- oh, compartmentalize. That. Yeah, it's a tough one. I started <laughs> for me to say. It's like three, I tried to record it on the mic the other day. Uh-huh. I was like, it took me 10 texts to yeah. just like, compartmentalize, you know. Okay, uh, yeah, to put it into different compartments. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, I need to be better at that. Yeah. I think I'm getting better. I just think I'm no great. It's something that we all can get better at, mm-hmm. you know. I really check out from work when I'm not there. I don't know why, but it, I think it's because I can compartmentalize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> been, been practicing that for, for a long time. So... Last question for you is, it doesn't matter which Patron you're, you're tasting. And again, I had this privilege of going to Kinfolk with David Rodriguez. He was t- taking us and David Allen brought some of these old kind of beautiful bottles. I know. Um, and you were out of town. You yeah, meant to, I were you the, meant to be there, I imagine, right? Yes, I left that morning. I helped uh, creating that event. Oh, man. It was, it was something really special. So I'll mm-hmm. be a little more pointed with, with my question. So you're anywhere in the world, doesn't matter where, but you're drinking the Sherry Cask Finish Patron, batch number three, mm-hmm. which is my favorite. This isn't about me, it's about you. But anyway, that's my favorite. Uh-huh. And you could have this tequila with any musician 
living or deceased, who would you like to have a conversation in a tequila with? <laughs> Musician. Well, we could do writer too. I think you're probably quite well read. Yeah, writer is definitely easier for me. Being honest, I know that I will drive out from here and I will think in like thousand uh, of great answers. And <laughs> yeah. now I was like, why I don't have anything in my mind. Um, writers, I will uh, tell you one of the, I can think in different. Yeah. Uh, I would say the first one who's coming to my mind, uh, Tolkien. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I've been recently in the last week, I've been watching the movies yeah. and reading a little bit about uh, uh, Lord of the Rings and I was a big fan, but I can tell you Aristotle. I, some people I like, have used so many questions to ask that is more about like need answers about what they grow. Yes. Than, but Aristotle, yeah. I love mm -hmm. that. And now I need to think of a musician. Well, you don't need to do it now, but I, I just, I like that question because what I'm consuming and listening to and watching always kind of affects my answer. And someone, I think people have asked me that twice over the past eight years. You know, I ask a question and, and you know, that's not, an, <laughs> that's not an invitation for you to ask me necessarily, but mm -hmm. so it's hard for me to think too, you know, but it's always that happens to be something right after I saw something else. Yeah. You know, but Roberto, it, I'm glad that we met. I'm glad I saw you at holiday. I'm, mm -hmm. I read the, you know, you get those LinkedIn recommendations mm -hmm. and to paraphrase one that I found particularly moving. I can't remember the name of the person. It could be family. I don't know, but mm -hmm. They said, Roberto is capable of anything. And that is quite moving. And I really feel intellectually, professionally, it seems like you're able to do just about anything. And I think the feedback that people have given me and stuff about you is, is actually just perfect. That's on LinkedIn? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell I you. Who, I wonder who is. Hey, it's funny, you read that, that's literally my best friend's. I'm sure those guys were the who grow that, so I I'm happy to have them. But yeah. I haven't looked at my LinkedIn in ages. It's it's so, just one of those things that's easy for me, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, thank you, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, it's an honor. I just saw all the people you hosted here, and I'm like. Am I on that level? Like, what am I taking this spot? But I'm really happy uh, now that we are in touch too. Yeah. Uh, holiday, you know, I live exactly behind Holiday. I know. So if you are there, uh, let me know. I'm happy to grab I, a drink. I love it. When are you planning on, and I think this is great to give your liver a break, when are you planning on returning to form? So the thing is, I'm not, I didn't decide to drink because I didn't decide to stop drinking because I'm against alcohol. It's just mm. because I wanted to feel better. Ah. So I could be even today, it could be tomorrow. I don't have- Whenever you feel right. Yeah. I like that. I, I live in the day and I know I'm going to pass a holidays, Christmas with my with my family in Mexico. It's the first yeah. time we get together in five years. Oh, wow. And I kind of, the, my brother from Spain, yeah. he's coming. He's a priest, my twin brother. Wow. Uh, He's coming to, uh, to to Mexico to Guadalajara, so I think I might be drinking there. I love uh, that. Yeah, my my family, all of us. I think my dad was the one who taught uh, taught us how to drink. Yeah. since we were little. Uh, so I love a, it. for us, drinking and eating is not about just drinking and eating. It right. means it has a big. Uh, it means a lot for us. Yeah, I love that. No yeah. better way to, to save it yeah. in the chamber, so to speak. Roberto, thanks so much for chatting with me. Thank you. Man. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Cheers. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Thank you. Well, there we have it. Roberto Nunez, one of the national brand ambassadors for Tequila Patron. Really a good chat. You know, I the only real kind of seminary experience that I have is when I was living in Salt Lake City. I kind of talk about that. And I'm just really curious about it, right? I if that's what you want to do with your life, absolutely do that. If you want to be an artist, do that. If you want to be an influencer, don't really do that. But you want to be a chef. You want to be a father, a mother, all of these things. And so there's some passion there. 
in his journey. And it's really interesting to see, you know, one day we wake up sometimes and we think life is just different today. I want to explore more. I want to be more curious. And then it takes us on a whole completely different direction. And it's amazing to see Roberto working with the great team at Patron. Again, as I mentioned in the conversation, I've never got a dollar to talk about Patron. That's not how I work. I really love the team. I love the tequilas. And I recently have written about it. So it is a thing for me. And Roberto's story is so riveting. And I'm really, really proud. This is one of those interviews I'm really proud is that it's such a beautiful story, serpentine with so many different details. And maybe no one's captured it before. So I'm really proud. So Roberto, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. I hope to see you soon. And thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. Christmas is just around the corner. Whatever holiday you celebrate, I'd love to have a dram with you. I hope you have happy holidays. And even if you're getting stuck watching all these Master Chef reruns, please keep dancing. <laughs>